Morning. Hello, it is good to look out and see your faces, and if you're joining us online, it is fantastic to have you with us. And especially all of the kids in the room today, it's lovely to see you uh, involved in your packs, which are going to be connected to what I'm talking to all the adults about. So uh, I hope you really, really enjoy those this morning. That's fantastic. Now, adults, if you want to prick up your ears, I've got a few things to say to you as well. Firstly, starting off with an age-old question. If God exists, where is he right now? You must have heard that question. You've probably asked it yourself at some point in your life. It's an age-old question that people have asked for the centuries because somewhere in, in our hearts, we have a sense that we're meant to experience God. Sometimes the question of where God is is asked in a place of despondency. At other times, it's asked when people are just seeking him. They're trying to find him and they're not too sure how to do that. But human beings always have had the sense within them that somehow if God exists, he is there to be encountered, that, that somehow we are meant to connect with him. And so the idea that God feels inaccessible to us sometimes is, is really quite disconcerting. Sometimes it's a bit fear inducing, isn't it? We, we ask ourselves questions like, why can't I find him? What happens if I don't find him? What if he doesn't want to communicate with me? How do I get through to this God? Is there something wrong with me? Is, is, is there a reason I haven't encountered him yet? And I want to suggest that these questions arise because somewhere deep inside us, we know that we were made and created to be in the presence of God. But somewhere in that space between where we are now and where things were made to be, something went wrong. That this relationship that we're meant to have with God is now harder to find. Something was broken. And today, as we continue the storyline series, as we follow the theme of God's presence throughout the Bible, I want to show you how the Bible confirms some of our worst fears about the way things are, but also how it reassures us that things can be different. And if you've experienced God in your life before, I want to encourage you to discover how the Bible teaches you to experience him on a daily basis, to experience his power to transform your life. And if you're just seeking him for the first time, maybe you're joining us and you're just trying to find out, what do I actually believe about God? How do I find this God? There'll be plenty in it for you. So let's begin right at the beginning. In the very first chapter of the Bible, the book of Genesis, as we begin to explore how things were meant to be. And I'll pick up from chapter 1, verse 15, where it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. I just want to notice that straight away, in the very first book of the Bible, we are confronted with the presence of God. He didn't send him. He took him. He was with him. He took man and put him in the garden. And not only that, he spoke to him. The Lord God commanded the man. He spoke to him. There was a relationship. There was a connection between God and man. And he said, you are free. You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. You see, right in the beginning, God establishes the nature of his relationship, his presence with mankind. He basically says, you have a huge amount of freedom, but there is a boundary. There is a boundary to keep this relationship healthy. There is one rule. Please just don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's, that's the one rule that he gives. And then a few verses later, 
The Lord God said in verse 18, it is not good for the man to be alone. Straight away we get a sense that God is about presence. He is about relationship. He is about connectedness. And he doesn't want man to live alone. So he creates a helper suitable for him. And we read the story and we find out about the magnificent creation called Eve and the fact that men have never been able to sort of take their eyes off Eve ever since. We've been like fascinated by these creatures we don't understand called woman. It's amazing. But of course, if you know anything about the Genesis story, you know that it it kind of goes wrong at this point. Because Adam and Eve break the one rule. The one rule. They had one rule. And they mess it up. And, And they eat this fruit, this forbidden fruit that they shouldn't have eaten. And everything gets messed up. Their relationship with God gets messed up. And look at how Genesis 2 explains how things change from this point. From verse 8, it says, The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? You know, I began this talk by asking the question, If God exists, where is he? But the thing about the Genesis story, this creation story, is it turns that question right on its head. God faces it back at us and he says, where are you? The question for us this morning, if we are wondering where God is right now, is where are we? Where are we right now? Because when we look at the story, we find Adam and Eve are the ones who hid. God didn't go anywhere. You know, if there's a distance between man and God... Genesis is trying to tell us it's a distance we, but we put there. We put that distance there. We're the ones who went somewhere. We're the ones who ran and hid. And I don't want to hate on Adam and Eve. I want to tell you that they probably had a really good reason to hide. Because God was pretty clear in his stipulations, wasn't he? He said, you know, there's only one rule. But if you break it, the consequence is death. That's a pretty significant rule. And, you know... Death of the freedom that they had. Death of the depth of this relationship. Death of this innocence that they used to have. Death of intimacy with God. And perhaps even physical death. I mean, if I, if I knew in my heart that I had offended the creator of the universe, I'd probably be trying to hide in some bushes too. But of course, they felt exposed. Their sin had left them exposed and they tried to cover up and they tried to avoid facing the wrath of the God that they had scorned. By avoiding his calls. They were, just, they were just trying to duck out of this awkward conversation. But the question I have this morning is, can anyone really hide from God? You know, can you really find peace in a life that's spent on the run from your creator? From the one who holds all of us accountable for our actions? You know, Adam and Eve didn't evade God in, in the Garden of Eden. It's not like when God said, where are you? He didn't know. He knew they were in the bushes. He wanted them to think about where they were. And so he asked them, where where are you? What are you doing in the bushes? What's this all about? You know, they couldn't hide from him. And if you carry on the storyline through the Bible, we meet this next character a little further on called Moses. And Moses couldn't hide from him in the middle of the wilderness. So from jungle of Eden and beautiful garden of Eden to the wilderness of Israel, we find that God is there. You can't just hide from him. Let's pick up the story in Exodus chapter 3. This is the second book of the Bible. And it says this. Now Moses was tending to the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. 
There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord God saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Do you know, I love this story because it speaks of our own conflict, the conflict that goes on in all of us. You know, we, we are conflicted because we know instinctively that being in God's presence is something that we desire, something that we were made for. But on the other hand, like Adam and Eve and Moses, we're also afraid to face God. We're afraid because we know that somewhere in our lives we, we've messed up, we've probably offended him. And what starts out maybe as a fascinating exploration of the supernatural in this story, this bush that's on fire but doesn't burn up, actually suddenly turns to fear when Moses realized that he is standing on holy ground in the presence of God. And like Adam, Moses realizes that he's flawed. He realizes that in the presence of God, he's in danger. And he's pretty freaked out by this. But what we see in this story is that God still appears to flawed people. God appears and manifests his presence in a very specific place, in a specific way to meet a guy who's out in the wilderness having killed an Egyptian recently. Kind of a guy on the run. A guy that's just sitting there thinking, well, you know, I've really messed up. I'm in a lot of trouble. And yet God appears to that kind of guy, to a murderer, essentially, God appears to us despite how flawed we are, and he allows us into his presence. He warns us, he says, my presence is holy. He tells Moses, don't come closer. There's something special about my presence. I don't tolerate sin. But nevertheless, he's willing to come into the place where we are and be there among us. That this God who instinctively produces fear within us because we know we're flawed, would still allow us into his presence is the first thing we need to see in this storyline. Because this storyline of God allowing us into his presence despite our sin carries on all the way throughout the Bible. The storyline of God's presence weaves its way through appearing to individuals like Adam and Eve who were hiding in the bushes or Moses, who found God hiding in a bush, must have freaked him right out. It carries on. There are so many examples of individuals who encounter the presence of God in stories all over the Old Testament. Then God reveals himself to a particular people group, particularly the people of Israel. We see Moses on the top of Mount Sinai receiving the Ten Commandments from God. But forget not that there are a whole bunch of people at the bottom of the mountain who see thunder and smoke and all kinds of things. And they knew God was there. They had a sense and an awareness of the presence of God. And later in the story, while they're being led out through the desert, we see the presence of God in the tabernacle, this tent that they'd built in their midst to worship him on the go. Kind of like a, a, a portable temple, if you like. And God's presence would dwell within that, among that community in that tent. 
And then later we see the dedication of a temple by Solomon. And again, as Solomon dedicates the temple, there is smoke and fire and light and the presence of God manifests itself among imperfect people like you and I. God was doing something among the people of Israel. But you see, God's presence wasn't just confined to buildings. It came to prophets in numerous situations who had these dramatic visions of God, like Isaiah, who felt like he was in God's throne room and God's presence was everywhere. And he gave him words to speak to the people, to tell the people to turn back to God that they might once again come into his presence with a confidence and a faith that he would welcome them instead of a fear because of their sin. This theme carries on and the prophets speak and they speak and ultimately they speak about how the presence of God would finally come to rectify things in the person of the Messiah, the Savior, who would come to reconnect Israel with their God. But little did they know that the Messiah wasn't just for the Jewish people. In the New Testament, we find the greatest, most wonderful words that God is with us. Emmanuel, that's the name that the angels gave when Jesus was born. They said, go and see this guy. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And he said it to Gentiles, to people who weren't Jews. He said it to shepherds out in the, in, in the flocks. He said it to wise men from faraway countries. And they came and they traveled because God had come among us. All of us, the people of the world. In fact, the storyline of God's presence really culminates at the coming of Jesus. Because in Jesus, we begin to see the fullness of who God is in a way that is approachable for you and I. In a way that we can understand. In a way that we can connect with. Because God wants us to connect with Him. He's about presence in our lives. And this Jesus, this Jesus is ultimately crucified because he claimed to be God. He claimed to be able to forgive sins. He claimed to be able to restore the connection between God and man. And that was too much for the religious Jews of the day and the Romans who thought he was a troublemaker, and they crucified him. But guess what the Bible tells us? The Bible tells us that he, he appeared again after that, that even death couldn't stop us from being in the presence of God because God would resurrect him and bring him about and, and, and vindicate him and show us that we can be in the presence of God even beyond death because the power of God is not stopped by death. Death is no match for the power of God. And he appears to his disciples and he declares to them that they should tell the world that he is with them to the very end of the age. And he promises that he will be with his disciples in a very special way. The indwelling of his spirit. He will send a counselor to be with them. And they will never, ever be outside of his presence again. And we see in the, in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, we see this beginning in the lives of these disciples who are sitting in the upper room. And suddenly, this is what it says in Acts chapter 2. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak to each other in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. 
And then later, Peter, one of Jesus' closest disciples, explains what's going on. And he says, in the last days, this is what, by the way, the prophet Joel was talking about. He says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Not just the Jews, but all people groups. All people groups now have access to the presence of God through the Holy Spirit of Jesus who dwells within us. When we place our faith in God coming in the person of Jesus to restore a relationship with him, we receive the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. That's how close God is to us. He wants to be so close that he lives within us. That's how concerned God is about us knowing his presence. He's, he's not just close. He's closer than ever before. And if you're asking that question, where is God right now? He is so close. And maybe you haven't seen him. Maybe you haven't encountered him yet. But he is closer than you ever know. And he's just waiting for you to open up your heart to him being a part of your life, an intimate presence in your life. Not only does the Bible from beginning to end reveal that God is everywhere, but it reveals that God is close, that he is imminent, that he is with us. That's your word for the day, by the way. If you want a nice theological word, imminent, it means with us, close. He's right here. He's approachable. You can connect with him because that's who God is. That's who God has always been. And that's who he wants to be to you. He wants to be the imminent God, the God who is here. The only question is how open you are to actually encountering him. Are you too afraid to enter into his presence because you know that you've messed up? There's stuff in your life that is just a mess. Well, I want to tell you, Moses killed a guy. He killed a guy and God appeared to him. We've all messed up. There's nobody in this room or online that's watching this right now that's perfect. But God still invites us into his presence on the basis of his actions towards us. On the basis of him coming to pay for our sins in Jesus on that cross to die so that we don't have to die when we come into the God's presence. When we mess things up. When everything goes wrong and we just make the worst mistakes of our lives. God is there to pick up the pieces and say, you can still come to me because I had a plan for this. So I want to ask you this morning, are you willing to humble yourself in God's presence this morning? To confess the fact that like everybody else, you sin. And maybe you have particular things that you know you need to confess to God this morning. Maybe there's something that God has stirred in your heart to, to kind of remind you that something that you did is really not right. You can come before God today and you can confess that. And not only do you receive forgiveness for your sins, but you can receive the promised Holy Spirit of God to be with you always to the very end of human history. He will never leave us nor forsake us. That's what Jesus said. So are you open to experiencing God's presence every single day of your life? Are you open to him working in you and through you and around you to accomplish his will and to change and transform you? So that there is no distance between you and God. If you're ready for that this morning, would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, forgive us for our many sins. Forgive me for the things that I've said and done to offend other people and to offend you. Thank you for sending Jesus 
so that we might know that even in our sin, you loved us and came to us and offered us a second chance. That you paid the price for our misdeeds and you offer us the presence of God to live within us through the promise of Jesus. Father, help us today to place our faith in you that we might experience the fullness of your presence through the Holy Spirit in our lives and that it would change us and transform us forever. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.